Hey everybody, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. And I just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast today. I hope this message inspires you and encourages you. Enjoy today's message. I want to talk to you today about the topic that we've been in uh, called Don't Be Fooled About Forgiveness. And before I go in, I, we've been talking about how people have hurt us and us getting, we getting over the hurt that people have caused us. Well, today I think we have to turn the tables. And so today I want to talk to you about how to ask for forgiveness. Because I want to ask, before I go any further, because you're, you're starting to say, well, you know what, I, I'm checking out right now. No, 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 no. How many of you have ever said the, the right thing the wrong way? Anybody besides me? Okay, yes, all right. Now, the other half of you, uh, somewhere along the line, I'm sure that you may have heard some, someone, let me back up. Someone may have said something to you that was inaccurate that someone has said about you. Are you tracking with me now? You see that? So they said it about you. And so you, in turn, you called that person out. And, and you gave them the 411, right? And you let them have it, only to find out that may, after a while that you was given inaccurate information. Anybody ever been there? Okay, and so, so when you do that, and when that happens, then there is an apology in order. And so many of us have offended people, but we don't know how to ask for forgiveness. And so we have to learn this, and, and so our world's not big on, on this, but Jesus is, and so we want to talk about that today. So if you, um, if you go ahead and take out your outline, so we're talking about how to ask for forgiveness. And so I want to give you four things today, and the first one is this, if you go ahead and write this down. Number one is, know the boundaries in your relationships. Know the boundaries in your relationships. As we talk about this, I want to tell you that boundaries, boundaries, without boundaries, there's chaos. Without boundaries, there's chaos. When there is no boundaries, there's chaos. Just think about sporting events, you know, like, uh, like soccer right now. Soccer is, is really growing in our country. And uh, without boundaries, there, there's no game, right? Football, baseball, basketball, without boundaries, there is no game. You agree with that? I mean, like, you know, we said, okay, we're going to play a game of, uh, of, of, of basketball, but we don't have any what's out of bounds, and there's no games. You can't keep the rules. And so the same in relationships. Your relationships get better when you understand the boundaries. And so I can't overemphasize that. Here's why, here's why boundaries are so important. You've got to know what's out of bounds with the people around you, with your friends, your coworkers, and you have to, you have to know what's out of bounds with them, and they have to know what's out of bounds with you. Because we don't know what we don't know, right? And so you could be offending someone if you don't know. So in every relationship, you know, you got to say, matter of fact, uh, uh, someone was sharing with me this week that uh, their daughter was asked to prom. And uh, the young man that asked their daughter to prom told him that in, a, in a, their teen language that they were expecting benefits after the date. Okay, you tracking with me. I, I'm trying to say this a nice way. Okay, and so, you know what? That young lady said, that is out of bounds. 
Just let them know right up front, that's out of bounds. You know what? Well, she didn't go. she's not going with that guy. Thank God. I wouldn't want her to go with that guy, you know? But, but she's right up front, that's out of bounds. And you have to tell people what's out of bounds. And I just want you to know, you know, listen, if you're a teenager today, you, when you start dating, you've got to tell people what's out of bounds. Okay, all right, thanks. That's dad for the day, all right? But when you're married, you've got to let them know what's out of bounds. Because, listen, there's some things that, that, that are out of bounds with you. That, and when you fight with what's, when you, when someone has these boundaries and, and you know, but you still keep trying to push those boundaries, when you do that, you're creating chaos in a relationship and it's never going to get better. You cannot change the boundaries of somebody else. They have to say, once they, this is my boundaries, you cannot cross those boundaries and never and have the, the relationship that you want. Okay. So today I want to talk to you because Jesus teaches us how to ask for forgiveness and he does it through the story of the prodigal son. And so today I want to, we're going to go through this story and we're going to learn how to forgive through the story. You ready for this? You ready? All right, here we go. Look what it says. In Luke 15, Jesus told them the story. A man had two sons. A younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, the younger son packed all his belongings, and let's read what's on the line. You ready? Come on. Moved to a distant land. In other words, he said, Dad, I don't like your boundaries. I don't like your rules. I don't like your boundaries. I'm out of here. Okay? And then look what it says. And there he wasted all his money in what? Wild living. Jesus said that. That's wild living, you crazy thing. That's wild. Okay, I don't know. I read the Bible like that. And at the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land. And let's read what's on the line. You ready? He began to starve. Here's what I want to tell you. Watch this. When you step out of bounds in your relationships, you step out of blessing. When you step out of bounds with God, your relationship with God, you step out of his blessing. But when you step out of bounds... In your relationships with your friends, your coworker, your spouse, your children, your parents, when you step out of bounds, out of bounds, you're stepping out of blessing. And just know that you can never, ever have a blessed relationship when you're stepping out of bounds. And he goes on to say this. He pursued a local farmer and hired him. The man sent him into this field to feed the pigs. The young man became hungry that he, he, he became so hungry that he even ate the pods he was feeding the pigs. Well, they looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. So basically, the scripture is saying he got, he, was, he got so broke and so hungry that his job was to feed the pigs. Now, what that meant was that they would put, people would put these uh, buckets outside their house and eat leftover food they had, whether it was liquid or solid, they'd pour it in that bucket, and they'd come by and get those, and they'd take that stuff, and, and, and where I grew up, we call that slop. And they would slop the hogs. And so they would come and, and pour them in there. And he got so hungry, he ate with the pigs. So he got in really bad shape. He got in really bad shape. So here, here's something that we need to understand. Is that boundaries are like guardrails. Look at this picture. This is a mountain road. And I want to tell you that boundaries are like guardrails. So what they do is the, is the guardrails will not keep you from having a wreck. Those guardrails will not keep you from having a wreck. But what they try to do, what guardrails are there for, is to keep that wreck from killing you, okay? Guardrails do not keep you from, from having a wreck, but it keeps your wreck from being fatal. And so that's what guardrails are all about. And Rhonda and I, uh, I definitely learned this lesson along, uh, about three years ago, how important guardrails are. 
We, we went up to, uh, we did a road trip with my mother and father-in-law. He bought a brand new F-150 right after he retired and, and uh, four-door, nice. And we, would, we drove out to Colorado and that thing. It was wonderful. And we got to uh, Colorado Springs and we decided we was going up Pikes Peak. Now, Pikes Peak is, is one of the tallest mountains in our country. It's, it's like 14,114 feet high. It's high. So I'm used to the Smoky Mountains, right? I mean, like, we all have been to Cherokee. If you grew up around here, you go to Cherokee, you know, and, and, and Pigeon Forge and all that. So I'm used to those mountains. So we go pay our money. The guy says, you guys are going to drive up? I'm like, yeah. yeah you got a road all the way up, right? He said, yeah. I said, they paid? Yeah. I said, yeah, we're driving. So I take off. I tell my Rhonda and my in-laws, don't y'all worry about it. We got this. And so we take off driving. The first 8 to 10 miles is just like the Smoky Mountains. No problem. No, but I got this. You know, we're cool. But after about eight miles, something happened. The trees disappeared. And all, the, all of a sudden, you're going up, and, you, and like the turns were so sharp. I'm not kidding you. I had, to, I had to pull up and back up and go up this road. And we're, we're now 14,000 feet. And there, there's a two-lane road, and there's a, like we're going up. So the mountain's on this side. And over here, there's a white line, and then there's a drop-off for thousands of feet. There, and there's no trees there. There's no, no, you see the bottom. Well, Rhonda's like, whoo, whoo, my hands are sweating. Her mom and dad are like, whoo, 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 whoo. Jeff, you all right? My hands wasn't sweating. But I'm going to tell you a secret. Ball-headed people, hands don't sweat. Their head sweats. <laughs> I had a hat on. They couldn't see it. My my head was like so, I'm not kidding, I was like, I didn't let him know it, but I was scared to death, because I, I just see the clouds, that's all you see, you know, and it's just straight off, it scared me to death. So here's what I discovered, guardrails cause comfort and security. Whenever there's guardrails, there's comfort and security, and, and the Bible tells us God has his guardrails, look what the Bible says, in Romans 6, 23, it says this, for the wages of what? Sin is what? That, that means that you, when, when you cross God's guardrails, guess what? Remember we said guardrails are? Guardrails don't keep you from having a wreck. They just keep from being fatal. When you cross over God's guardrails, then you're looking at something becoming fatal. And what are God's guardrails? His moral values that are found in his word. That's what they are. It says, so for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now here's what I want you to understand. When you break God's commandments, you become broken. It's not that, it's not that it doesn't hurt God, it hurts you. And that's why God hates it so much, because he's the, he's the most wonderful father, and he doesn't want you to get hurt. So when you break God's commandments, it's not about, okay, got you, God. No, 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 no. It breaks you. And so that's why God hates sin so much, is because it breaks you, it hurts you. All right, number two, would you write this down? So the second thing in asking for forgiveness is this, is here it is, admit I was wrong. Admit I was wrong. We dive back into the story now of this prodigal son that Jesus is telling us about. Remember what he said? Listen, in his hometown now, he's known as a, as a, as a joker, as a guy that, that swindled his father out of money because he talked his dad into giving his money, right? He, 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 he smooshed his dad into giving him half his estate. 
And I'm sure he told his dad, Dad, I just want to put it in my own account. And, you know, one day, you know, I, when you're gone, I want to get this. But as soon as he, he talked his dad into giving his money, then that, he took off with it. So everybody around, nobody likes this, this little jerk. Nobody likes him. Let's just put it in plain terms. Nobody likes him. Around his community, he's known as the jerk. Nobody likes him. And so now he's run off in wild living. He's got hard times that's hit. And so now he's got to make a decision. Look what happens here. It says, when he finally came to his what? Thank God we get to come to our senses, right? And I'm praying today that some of you come to your senses today. Like I've had to come to mind in many things. I'm praying you come to your senses. It says, when he came to his senses, he said to himself, at home even the hired servants have, no food to sp- have enough food to spare, and here I'm dying of hunger. Look what he says. I will go to my father, and what's those next two words? Come on, and shout them out. What are they? And say. He didn't say, I'll go to my father and think. I'll go to my father and hope he gets it. No, no, no. He said, I'll go to my father and say. I got to admit I was wrong. And say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me. Please take me on as a hired servant. See, so he's thinking this all in his mind. So he said, I got to I got to say I'm wrong. Now, would you agree with me in our culture today that we are not, we're not encouraged to admit fault? Would you agree with that? Okay. A guy showed me his insurance card that he just got in the mail this week, you know, where he has automobile insurance. And on the back of his insurance card, look what you see what's in that highlighted box right there, the black box. Can you read that? Let's read it. Look what it says. Ready? How about that? The first one, says, it says this. It says, you know what? Uh, if you get an accident, seek medical attention. Report the accident to the police but, and discuss the accident with the people, with the police. But do not admit fault. Can you see the guy? Can you see the guy in a wreck? I mean, like, he's, he's, he's strapped down to the gurney, can't move his neck. And the last thing he's getting the ambulance saying, uh, it's not my fault. It's not my, it's not my fault. No matter what. I didn't tell that... I didn't tell that light pole to jump in front of me. It's not my fault. Right? And we're taught, we're taught that. It's not to admit fault. And so uh, here's what. Oh, here it is. You ready? Mm, here it is. Buckle up. The day you graduate from childhood to adulthood is the day that you take full responsibility for your actions. A lot of people get older, but they don't grow up, do they? It's the day that you say, it's my fault. I made a mistake. It was me. I made a mistake. I was wrong. I did it. I'm sorry. That's the day that you graduate from being a child to an adult is when you take full responsibility for your life. And listen, there's some, there, listen, there's people that I've loaned money to that, you know what? They didn't pay me back. And guess what? I got a little mad about it, but then I started thinking about it. It wasn't their fault. It was my fault. When their track record is that they don't pay people back and I give them money expecting they're going to pay me back, I'm the one that's an idiot, right? And you, you've been an idiot too, haven't you? <laughs> so, so I can't, I can't you know, I, I'm like, well, they, they're going to pay me back. Oh, they're going to pay me back. You know, they should pay me back. Well, yeah, I, it's not their fault. It's my fault because I made a bad judgment. 
And so from now, from that point on, once I learned that lesson is that if I'm gonna, if somebody wants some money, I'm either gonna give it to them and they can have it, or they ain't getting any. We don't do no borrowing anymore. If you bought, oh, never mind. Okay, let's just move on. <clears throat> so here's the question: Who do you need to admit to? I was wrong. Some of you will begin to have a, your life will get better in your family as soon as you do that. Who do you need to admit to, I was wrong? You see, the the thing about this is this, is that God doesn't even make us explain our sin, does he? He doesn't ask us to explain our sin. God doesn't ask us to do that. You know, some of he, God didn't say, you know, when you come to me, you say, now, God, what had happened was, he didn't say, say that. What had happened was, God didn't say, explain your sin, give me your excuses of your sin. God says, what? Confess your sin. You know what confession is? It's simply me. I was wrong. I made, I screwed up. It was me. And so, so many of us are so busy trying to explain our, uh, what we did. You know, let me just say this to you. Anytime that you admit it wrong, you say, okay, I was wrong, but you. You see what I'm talking about? You ever hear people give an apology like, a, well, yeah, I did this, but you did. Let me tell you something. As soon as you say that, you just threw your apology right out the window. Here, listen, lose your butt. Just lose it. Because as long as you throw, as long as you show your butt and say your butt, you just threw, you just threw everything out the window that you intended to do. And then you say, well, I apologize to them and they didn't succeed to receive it. No, no, you didn't apologize if you said, you know, well, I did this, but you did that. As soon as you do that, you didn't apologize. Man, this is good preaching today, isn't it? That's all right. I don't need any amens. I can amen myself. That's all right. You know why? Because it's hitting me too right between the eyes. It hurts. Okay, so look what the Bible says. 1 John 1 and 9, look what God says. Remember, he says, if we what? Confess our sins. It's, I was wrong. He will forgive our sins because we can trust him to do what's right. And he will cleanse us from all the wrongs we have done. You cannot live God's way without God. Too many people, too many people say, well, you know, well, you know, when I quit this habit, then I'm going to get saved. When I stop doing this, I'm, let me tell you something. If you could have stopped that, you'd already stopped it. You've got to have a power that's greater than you, and that's Almighty God. And today, you, let me tell you how to connect to You've got to be connected. Let me tell you how to connect to it. Inside of, our, inside of our program, there's a prayer that we call the prayer to become a Christ follower. That's what you pray to get a greater power inside of you that is Almighty God that can help you get through what you're going through and get over, overcome what you're going through. God is the one. Nothing else will help you. And so if you pray this prayer right here today and start your relationship with God, then you're on your journey. And so all we ask you to do is... Uh, it's on the back of this connection card that you'll check the box that says, I'm praying the prayer to become a Christ follower. Okay, number three is this. You ready? We're talking about asking for forgiveness. Number three is this, is release the fear of rejection and make your move. Release the fear of rejection and make your move. Would you agree with me that one of the most paralyzing emotions we have is the fear of rejection? Would you agree with that? In other words, it, it, it makes you, it's paralyzed. You will not move. I remember that, uh, you know, 
the first time that I called Rhonda. Now, back in the day, okay, we had these rotary phones. Okay, and, and then we had one phone in the house that had a cord about 50 feet long on it. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You could go, oh, your mama would choke you with that cord, right? She's she doing everything. she choke you to death. And so uh, what you do with this rotary phone is you, you'd have to, for those of you that don't know, you may have to Google this, but you would take it and, and turn it around like this, and it'd go. <laughs> so to call Rhonda, I did that five times, because back in the day, we only had to have five numbers in our small town, so I was a. And I got to the last one. And before I let go, I was scared. I was scared of rejection. I was scared. I remember. And I was like, you can do this. You can do this. And I let go anyway. And then on the other end, I remember her sister answered the phone. Her older sister answered the phone. And she thought I couldn't hear her. I said, hey, is Ron-? I said, is Rhonda there? You know, I'm a little scared. And her sister, she didn't think I hear her. She said, Rhonda's for you, and it's that Jeff Dawes. And then I'm like, what does that mean, that Jeff Dawes? What does that mean? I'm scared to death. My heart's racing. Boop, 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 boop. And then she answered the phone. She said, hello. When she said, hello, it was game on, baby. I knew it was on then. Mm-hmm, you know what I'm saying? And so, but it's that fear rejection that holds us back. And it paralyzes us. And here's, oh, this is so, here's so true. You know what the fear of rejection does? It makes all of the negative what-ifs run through your mind. You know, when you're thinking about going and for a job interview, uh, you know, it's like all of a sudden, the fear that you're not going to get the job, it's all the negative what-ifs run through your mind, no matter what you're doing. What if they don't like me? What if, what if they hang up on me? What if they don't, you know, can't accept me? What if, what if they turn down this offer? What if, what if, all the negative what-ifs run in when fear is, is running rampant in the fear of rejection. But we see that the prodigal son in this story, look, we just said, hey, he just, you know, he, he's done his father bad. Now he's hurt really bad. And he's made up his mind, I'm going back. But he has to face the fear of rejection. Look what it says. So he returned to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have what? I have sinned. I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. So the son was scared to death to make his move, but he made his move anyway. So you got to understand, every step that this young man is making back toward his father's house, he's having to fight the fear of rejection. What's going through his mind is, is that no, you're not even going to get near your father because everybody hates you. They're going to stone you before you even get there. And all of a sudden, he, he started thinking about how his father was going to not have him as a servant, even that his father was going to turn him away, how his whole family would hate him. Every step of the way, this fear of rejection is going over and over and over in his mind, just like it does yours. Every time that you need to make a move to restore relationship, the, the enemy, the devil of your, the devil who's the enemy of your soul is telling you the whole way that you're thinking about writing a relationship, they're not going to like you, they're not going to listen to you, they're not going to accept you, they're going to deny you. You've got all this stuff running through your mind every step of the way just like this young man did, every step of the way. And here's my question. What move do you need to make 
to resolve a relationship that's been broken. I, I want to talk to uh, I want to talk to parents and grandparents. Listen to me. Too many times I hear parents and grandparents say, "You know, I've got this teenager, this twenty-something, that has done all this wrong stuff to me." And they say, you know, well, I'm waiting. I'm going to, when they apologize to me, when they, when they tell me they're sorry, then, then I'll be willing to restore the relationship. But they got to tell me. <laughs> Mature people make the first move. If, you, if you've got a, a teenager and a, and a 20-something who's immature, then don't expect, why are you expecting them to do an adult thing when they've not made an adult decision their whole life? Oh, when they come back, when they come up, when they say, when they come crawling up to me and say, I'm sorry, you're the great one. That's what we want, isn't it? That's right. You crawl back. You tell, yes, yes, you told me, Dad. You told me, you told me, you told me. That doesn't happen until you get 40, until they get 40. Okay? Just, just hold on. But the mature one says, I make the move. Who do you need to make the move to? You see, many of you need to make a move toward God. You've already prayed the prayer, but baptism is your next move. And God is saying, make the move. Some of you you need to know what God has you here on earth. You need to know what your calling is. You need to know what God is put in your heart, what you can do. And we have something here. You need to grow in your faith. And so we have something called growth track that will help you. You need to make the move towards growth track. And you can do that by signing on the back of your connection card or checking the box on the back of your connection card. Okay, I have a next step here for you. It says this. It says, I will make a move to restore a broken relationship. Now, the reason I want you to check that box is because we got to pray because you're doing spiritual warfare. And so you need someone covering you with prayer, and we're going to do that this week. And you know who you are, and you know who they are, and you know what you need to do, and so make the move. Okay. Number four. Number four is this. Is trust the perfect love of God. Trust the perfect love of God. Okay, I want you to look at me, because I want to tell you something here. I want to be clear about this. Our sins, your sins and my sins, our sins have consequences. Do you agree with that? You rob the bank, I don't care how good God is, you're going to jail. Right? And you deserve to go to jail. You rob the bank, you do the crime, you do the time. Here's one, watch this one. People say this to me all the time. Well, I don't see what's wrong with pornography. I'm not cheating. Remember, remember what we said, every sin has a consequence? Oh, you feel like you're not cheating, but here's what it does. It robs you of, a, uh, of an intimate relationship that you desire to have with your spouse or your future spouse. You will never, ever be able to have what you want and what you are longing for as long as you're, uh, as long as you're putting that in front of you and you're viewing it. You'll never have it. Because there's a consequence for sin. That's breaking God's law. That's, God says that's sin. And so there's something that happens. So there is a consequence to sin. I just want you to know, no matter what it is, every time that you cross the line, there's a consequence. Now here's the other side of that. 
There is a consequence to sin, but I want you to know is that as far as when you sin and you ask God to forgive you, there is no punishment for your sin. Okay? The only punishment for sin that is left is for those people who are who denied God, who are living in sin and, and, and rebelling against God, they will end up in hell. That's the, pun, that's the ultimate punishment for sin. But watch this. When Jesus Christ died on that cross for your sins, he died for your sin. He took the punishment. That's what the cross is. Is that Jesus took, you should be, because when you sin against God, when you do those things against, you should be beaten half to death. And that's what Jesus on the cross was. He was beaten half to death. But here's the deal. He took your punishment for you. It's it's like your big brother says when you're about to get a spanking. Okay, some of you got to Google that, all right? Not me. I got tore up. Oh, yeah, I had a hickory and a belt and everything. Yes, and it was good for me. Okay, I know you're quiet there, but, but anyway... You know, what, you, you deserve the punishment. And so here's the deal. When we think of God, we think that when we sin, that we got to be punished. And here's the deal. Many of us don't trust God to punish, so we punish ourselves. And so we'll put ourselves through all kinds of stuff because we think we don't deserve God's love. Let me tell you something. Your sin has already been punished. When Jesus died on that cross, he was beaten to death for you and for me. He stepped in. And and so every time that you say, God, forgive me, God, God is not about punishing you. He's about receiving you, loving you back. And it it ain't about God wants to hurt you. Listen, you have a consequence for your sin and you have to pay for that. But as far as God looking at you, he loves you and he's not about he's not out to get you oh look 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 the prodigal son he's coming home look what happens here he shows us look but his father said to the servant quick bring in the finest robe in the house and put it on him give him a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet servants don't wear rings and they don't wear shoes he goes on to say this and kill the, the calf that we have fattened. And let's read what's on the line. You ready? Come on. We must celebrate a feast for his, this son of mine who was dead is now returned to life. Let's read what's on the line. You ready? He was lost but now is found. And let's read the rest of it. Come on. So the party began. Here's what I want you to watch. This, watch this one. What he's saying. Jesus is saying, telling us this story to realize that he's going to take our punishment. Here's one. Many of you, when you talk to God after you've sinned, you're like this. Oh, why? Because when you sinned against somebody here, you got punished, right? And you deserved it. But Jesus took that. And some of you, when you talk to God, you think God's looking at you like this. And you think God's about to beat you up or, or wear you out. And he's about to tear you up. And so, so your perception, so you can't have a relationship with God because you are afraid of him. I heard uh, Ruth Graham, Billy Graham had a daughter, uh, had a wife named Ruth, but also had a daughter named Ruth. At his, at his, bar- when he, at his funeral service, Ruth tells this story. Watch this. Ruth said, you know, I grew up and my dad was this famous preacher, but I was one of those rebellious children. She said that when I... When I was, you know, dating this guy, my family didn't approve of him, my dad didn't approve, and other people told me it was bad news, but I ignored it. And I went on and I rebelled and I did what I wanted to do. And she said, I, I got married to this guy, 
And it ended in a horrible divorce because I would not listen. She said, I still, even after the divorce, the pain, my family tried to console me. My dad tried to talk to me and show me love. But I was still rebellious and said, I'm going to do what I want to do. And immediately jumped back into another relationship and married another guy. Which only was a more painful and more difficult divorce. Ruth said, after I had lost everything, I had lost all my dignity. I had lost all my everything I had financially. I had nothing. I was broke. Externally and internally. And she said, I drove my car back to North Carolina to my mom and dad's house. I had nowhere to go. And she said, as I was pulling in that driveway, I had that fear of rejection. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? Are they going to say, I told you so? She said, I pulled back in that driveway. And when I pulled in, my dad was standing in the driveway. She said, I got out of my car. And I began to walk, and just like the prodigal son, she prepared her line, you know, I don't even deserve to be your daughter. I don't deserve that. I just, I just need a space, and I'll serve. She said, all that was going through her mind. But when she got close to her father, her dad looked at her and said, Ruth, welcome home. She said, he didn't say, you know, I told you so. He didn't say it. He said, Ruth, and when she got, said, when I got close enough to him, he took his big arms and he reached out and he put around me. He said, Ruth, welcome home. I love you, Ruth. Welcome home. See, as long as you're viewing God like this and you're viewing God like this, the devil will put that picture in your mind every time to keep you from coming home to Almighty God. But I'm telling you, God has sent me here today to tell you to change that picture. Because God said it's not like this, and it's not like this. He said on the cross it was like this. And there's some of you sitting here today. Yes, you've already accepted Jesus. But you're just away. You're just away. And my father and your father is stretching his arms out this morning right beside you. You can't see him, but he's right there. He's saying, will you come home? Will, will you, will you, will you, will you, will you come home? Will you, will you come home? I miss you. Would you stand with me right now? The Father is here. Listen to me right now where you are. You've got to receive this. It's between you and God right now. It's not between you and I or anybody else right now. The Father's saying, welcome home. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's secview.net. And click the Give tab. 
We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.